the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says Russia is using the impending food crisis in Ukraine to blackmail the West. He hopes it'll get the world to give in to him and end the sanctions. In other words, quite simply put, it's blackmail. Texas Senator John Cornyn says he's optimistic there will be 60 votes on gun control legislation. I want to be clear, though, we're not talking about restricting the rights of current law-abiding gun owners. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. faces what she calls unacceptable levels of inflation. I think we are going down that path of a recession. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Wednesday, June 8th. I'm Mike Scott. Brutal street fighting continues in Ukraine's east, particularly in the city of Severodonetsk, where Ukrainian forces have managed to regain some territory from Russian forces. Russia still holds the majority of Luhansk, however, as it pushes on its goal to try and control the entire eastern Donbass region. Russian troops aren't only squeezing Ukraine by land. They're also cutting off its access to the sea. And as Ukraine has long been dubbed the breadbasket of Europe, that blockade is causing the beginning of some global food shortages. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has accused Russia of exporting hunger beyond Ukraine, pointing to its blockade of the country's ports and vital grain exports. Right now, Blinken explains the situation facing Ukraine's ports and farmers is dire. Right now, a Russian naval blockade in the Black Sea is preventing Ukraine's crops from being shipped to their normal destinations. There are somewhere around 20 million tons of uh, wheat that's trapped in silos near Odessa and in ships literally filled with grain that are stuck in the uh, Odessa port because of this Russian blockade. Russian forces have captured some of Ukraine's most productive farmland. They planted explosives uh, throughout the fields. Uh, They've destroyed uh, vital agricultural infrastructure. Blinken goes on to say that Russia is blackmailing the world by trying to control the food that comes out of Ukrainian ports. There are credible reports, uh, including, uh, as we saw in one of our leading newspapers today, that Russia is pilfering Ukraine's grain exporters, exports, excuse me, to sell for its own profit. Uh, Now Russia is hoarding its food exports as well. So this is all deliberate. We know that. Uh, President Putin is stopping food from being shipped and aggressively using his propaganda machine to deflect or distort responsibility because it hopes it'll get the world to give in to him and end the sanctions. In other words, quite simply put, it's blackmail. Meantime, according to reports, Mariupol is on the verge of an outbreak of cholera as it is literally drowning in garbage and sewage while bodies are decomposing in the warm summer weather. 
The Black Sea port city, which had almost 500,000 inhabitants before it was destroyed by forces of Russia in Ukraine, has had 90% of its infrastructure destroyed. Some naval experts warn China is in the process of building a string of military bases around the world to try and rival the U.S. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more details. Retired Navy Admiral James Tabridis tells the Salem Radio Network China's latest move, construction of a base in Cambodia, is part of a much larger plan. They already have a very significant one in Djibouti, Horn of Africa. And Stabridi says China continues to expand its presence in the South Pacific. It is the start, uh, I fear, of a, of a very sophisticated network. Stabridi also notes China continues to construct artificial islands in the South China Sea. Bob Agner reporting. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson may have survived a no-confidence vote, but his grip on power in the Conservative Party of Britain is far from secure. Many compare his position to that of his predecessor, Theresa May, who won a similar vote by a larger margin than Johnson did, but was nonetheless ousted six months later. Further back in time, Margaret Thatcher survived a first leadership challenge in 1989, but a second one the next year spelled her downfall. The Iron Lady resigned two days after she failed to secure an outright victory in the first round of a leadership challenge against Michael Heseltine. Political analyst Tim Bale says the prime minister's position will face much uncertainty following Monday's no-confidence vote. I think clearly, according to the rules, uh, you can win um, by a simple majority. But the reality is that these contests have a habit of exposing um, quite how weak uh, the authority of a prime minister is. And, and that is the history of these contests. And I'm afraid for Boris Johnson, that's what happened this time around uh, as well. Bale says the prime minister will face regional challenges later this month. It doesn't mean you know, that he will have to resign in short order, but it does mean I think there will be um, continued doubts about his leadership, particularly I think if the by-elections at the end of the month in uh, one solid uh, Conservative seat and one seat which the Conservatives won from Labour in 2019 go as badly as some are predicting. Bale says at last week's Platinum Jubilee, the Prime Minister picked up signs his popularity seems to be fading fast. Boris Johnson being booed uh, at St Paul's was quite a moment, actually. One would expect most of the people who attend uh, events like that uh, as members of the public um, to be pretty traditional Conservatives. And, and for them, actually, to uh, make their displeasure uh, so obvious uh, in, in public, I think is quite a significant moment. Texas Senator John Cornyn says he's optimistic there will be 60-plus votes on gun control legislation that a bipartisan group of senators has been working on. That would be enough to overcome a filibuster and send a bill to the floor. What I'm interested in is keeping guns out of the hands of those who by current law are not supposed to have them. People with mental health problems, people with who are, have criminal records. 
Cornyn also says Republicans will not restrict the Second Amendment in any way. I want to be clear, though, we are not talking about restricting the rights of current law-abiding gun owners or citizens. This is a constitutional right, as much as that may go against the grain of some of our colleagues who'd like to see us do things to restrict the rights of American citizens under the Second Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is guaranteed by the Constitution itself. And the vast majority of the Republican conference feels certainly the same way. Meanwhile, actor and Texas native Matthew McConaughey made an impassioned plea at a White House press briefing on gun violence, asking for change. The actor shared his experience on the ground following the recent school shooting in his hometown of Uvalde. Responsible parties in this debate seem to at least be committed to sitting down and having a real conversation about a new and improved path forward. A path that can bring us closer together and make us safer as a country. A path that can actually get something done this time. McConaughey urged lawmakers to pass several measures, including requiring background checks on all gun purchases and raising the legal age to buy semi-automatic sport rifles from 18 to 21, and instituting national waiting periods for them in addition to implementing a national red flag system. We want secure and safe schools, and we want gun laws that won't make it so easy for the bad guys to get these damn guns. So, we know it's on the table. We need to invest in mental health care. We need safer schools. We need to restrain sensationalized media coverage. We need to restore our family values. We need to restore our American values. McConaughey says the Second Amendment, in his opinion, is hijacked by a few crazy individuals. We need responsible gun ownership. Responsible gun ownership. We need background checks. We need to raise the minimum age to purchase an AR-15 rifle to 21. We need a waiting period for those rifles. We need red flag laws and consequences for those who abuse them. These are reasonable, practical, tactical regulations to our nation, states, communities, schools, and homes. Responsible gun owners are fed up with the Second Amendment being abused and hijacked by some deranged individuals. These regulations are not a step back. They're a step forward for a civil society and, and the Second Amendment. McConaughey went on to say that gun responsibility shouldn't be a partisan issue because none of the perpetrators of mass shootings were Democrat or Republican. And look, as, as, as divided as our country is, this gun responsibility issue is one that we agree on more than we don't. It really is. Look, this should be a nonpartisan issue. This should not be a partisan issue. There is not a Democratic or Republican value in one single act of these shooters. It's not. Ohio Representative Jim Jordan joined the Salem Radio Network in Ohio to discuss his thoughts on the gun control debate. You do see the Democrats' motives. Their motive here is to simply take 
the Second Amendment away from uh, your Second Amendment liberties away from law law abiding Americans. I mean, it, it's about getting your guns. I mean, this, this bill that we had, we, we we debated it for I don't know eight ten hours on on uh, last Thursday, and the Democrats passed out of committee. Uh, it, it tells you what kind of gun you can get, when you can get a gun, and where and how you have to store it in your own darn home. I mean, a, a law-abiding American. So it, it's not about hardening schools, increasing the security posture and presence at schools, and making sure the learning environment safe for students and teachers. It's not about that. It's about taking away your Second Amendment rights, plain and simple. Jordan went on to discuss the problems he has with red flag laws. When they have that hearing, uh, where someone is alleged you're not you're not mentally fit to have a firearm. <clears throat> when they have that hearing, you're not allowed to be there, so you can't even be present at the hearing where they're getting ready to take away your constitutional liberty. So there's no way this this comports with the Fifth Amendment due process rights we're entitled to as law-abiding American citizens. So you're not allowed to be at the hearing. You're not allowed to confront your accuser. You don't even know who your accuser is initially. They just signed some. Just sign an affidavit and say, oh, this person is not fit to have a firearm. It could be someone trying to get back at you for who knows what reason. Right. That is a very dangerous place to go. But that is what they're talking about. Jordan believes that red flag laws may violate citizens' Fifth Amendment rights. And here's the worst part. you got Republican senators talking about putting together a package and, uh, or, or, or financial incentives, uh, incentives to states who implement this kind of law, this so-called red flag law. I, I hate this stuff. Because it is, it is, it's it's so wrong, so such a violation of your Second Amendment liberties, and more importantly, such a violation of your due process Fifth Amendment liberties. That that is what is is, is so wrong about this. So I hope we can stop this. But they're going to put it on the floor of the House this week, and of course the Senate's talking about this uh, this concept as well. Primary elections took place in California, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, and South Dakota. On Tuesday evening, reporter Steve Kornacki has the details on the evening's must-watch races. In the biggest of them all, California, and I think that's when the real action is going to begin. And a couple of highlights here to keep an eye on tonight. This may be the most closely watched uh, election in California. Chesa Boudin, the district attorney, San Francisco, he is facing a recall election here. He's one of this wave of progressive prosecutors who were elected in cities and counties across the country over the last few years. Now there's been concern about rising crime. There's been concern particularly about auto theft, about these smash and grab and cars on streets in San Francisco. So it's one of the most democratic, one of the most liberal cities in the country with one of the most liberal prosecutors. Will voters there vote to recall him from office? That's a headline election in California. Kornacki also says that the race for Los Angeles mayor is also a headline-grabbing race. And in Southern California, there's the primary for mayor of Los Angeles, second largest city in the country. You see the final polling here. Now, if nobody gets 50 percent, the top two candidates will advance to November. They'll have it out then. It's surprising to people, though, when you take a step back that it's this close. Here's Karen Bass, member of Congress. She was on that list of potential Joe Biden running mates back in 2020. Here's Rick Caruso. He's a former Republican. He's a billionaire developer. He spent a fortune on this campaign. But there's similarities here to what we were talking about in San Francisco, crime, homelessness, 
quality of life. These have been the points of emphasis of Caruso. This is suddenly looking like a competitive race. Fascinating to see how that Likely turns to be out a tonight. Runoff, right? And yeah, as I said, if nobody gets 50% tonight, then it, again, the polling suggests these two, far and away the top two, would have it out in November. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem, Republican Senators John Thune and Chuck Grassley have all beaten back their primary challengers. As results began to pour in, Democrats faced fresh warning signs in two solidly blue states. In both California and New Jersey, states with key U.S. House races that could determine control of Congress, early metrics suggest that turnout has been very low, reflecting the sour mood of voters about gas prices, rising crime, and an uncertain economy. The Daybreak Insider will have more on the results of the races in tomorrow's podcast. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen says the U.S. faces what she terms unacceptable levels of inflation as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and the Russian war in Ukraine and pledges to drive down the price of everyday goods. We currently face macroeconomic challenges, including unacceptable levels of inflation, as well as the headwinds associated with the disruptions caused by the pandemic's effect on supply chains and the effects of supply-side disturbances to oil and food markets resulting from Russia's war in Ukraine. To dampen inflationary pressures without undermining the strength of the labor market, an appropriate budgetary stance is needed to complement monetary policy actions by the Federal Reserve. Yellen says elements of President Biden's proposed spending legislation, including reforms to the prescription drug market, could help reduce costs for many American families. However, she offered few solutions to slow runaway inflation, which is the highest in nearly four decades. Yellen also noted any actions from the White House or Congress would merely act as an accompaniment to steps taken by the Federal Reserve. Paul Nolte is a senior vice president at Kingsview Wealth Management and joins CBS to discuss the ongoing problem with inflation. Nolte says that energy is the largest driver right now. Food moving uh, goods around the United States, it is very dependent on energy. So if you want to keep an eye on it, certainly keep an eye on crude prices, diesel prices as well for the truckers. And take a look at commodity prices in general. They are now again breaking out to new all-time highs. Nolte explains the two numbers that will be important to watch this coming Friday. When you talk about Wall Street and Main Street, there's going to be two numbers that are going to be important on Friday. For Wall Street, it's going to be core inflation. And core inflation takes a look at everything but food and energy. And Main Street's going to be looking at the headline number, and that headline number is still going to be north of 8% and is likely to persist well into the summertime. Nolte warns he believes we're heading down the path of stagflation. It's going to depend a lot on the Fed, and I think we are going down that path of a recession. Fed is committed to raising rates a half a percent in June, a half a percent in July, maybe a pause in September, but they are determined to get inflation down. Historically, if you want to get inflation down, you need to get interest rates above the rate of inflation. 
And if we assume that inflation maybe tails off toward the end of the year at 6%, mm-hmm. that would argue that you want to have Fed funds over 6%, and we're at just north of 1% today. According to the CDC, monkeypox has now been found in at least 12 states just weeks after it first was detected in the U.S. And now the first possible monkeypox case may be in Washington, D.C. The infected person has been identified as a resident who recently traveled to Europe. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has more on the medical details. D.C. health officials said the resident was confirmed to be positive for orthopox, the family of viruses that monkeypox falls within, on Saturday. Samples have been collected and sent to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention for further testing and confirmation of monkeypox. The infected resident is isolating and close contacts are being identified and monitored. According to D.C. Health, no other cases have been identified as of Sunday and the risk to the public remains low. Around 25 monkeypox cases have been identified in at least 11 states so far, according to the CDC, with no deaths reported. Bernie Bennett reporting. And finally, Jim Seals who, as part of the duo Seals and Crofts, crafted memorably wistful 1970s yacht rock hits like Summer Breeze and Diamond Girl died Monday. No cause of death was immediately given. Several friends and relatives confirmed the death, including Brady Seals, Jim Seals' cousin. Summer breeze makes me feel fine. Blowing through the jasmine in my mind. Brady Seals said in a statement, quote, My heart just breaks for his wife Ruby and their children. Please keep them in your prayers. What an incredible legacy he leaves behind. Jim Seals was brother of Dan Seals part of the 70s supergroup England Dan and John Ford Coley. Dan Seals also went on to record several number one hits in Nashville. Jim Seals was 80. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.